Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to episode number 33 of Thyroid Nation Radio Live Talk Show and Podcast. I'm Dana Bowman, founder of ThyroidNation.com. And I'm Tiffany Milanich of GratefulGarden.biz. I'm sorry to be laughing, but, you know, here I live I was going to say, what's going on? There's dogs barking all over the neighborhood, and you can totally hear it. So my weird. husband's like, you can, and my husband's like looking at me like, what are we going to do? I'm like, I don't know. That's what happens, you know. I live in Costa Rica. That's just the way it is. It's me. It's raw. It's real. Today we are talking with certified holistic health coach Magdalena. Okay, ready? I'm going to say it. Bishlaki of ThyroidDietCoach.com and Hormones Balance. Magdalena received her education from the Institute for Integrative Nutrition in New York City and is accredited by the American Association of Drugless Practitioners. And she's got a fabulous website and tons more things and can't wait to talk to her. Cannot wait. Cannot wait. She has so many awesome articles, too. Mm-hmm. All right, so we're excited to get with her, but first, just a few things. If you tuned in last week, which we hope that you did, you heard us chatting with Dr. Hedberg of drhedberg.com, an author of The Complete Thyroid Health and Diet Guide, Understanding and Managing Thyroid Disease. He was amazing. That was his second um, visit with us, which we were so excited to have him on again. <clears throat> if you missed it, you can always catch it in the Thyroid Nation Radio archives, as well as other amazing guests that we've had on, like Dr. Holtorf, Hypothyroid Mom, Mary Showman, Susie Cohen, Isabella Wentz, Dr. Alan Christensen. Oh, my gosh, I think every time we have someone on, I say it's my favorite guest. <laughs> I'm so, such a lame there. Um, <laughs> and there's just so much information, and every one of those, they're all different. As I'm going down the list, I'm thinking, Dr. Holtorf talked a lot about antidepressants and, and T3, of course, hypothyroid mom, amazing pregnancy tips and things like that. Mary Showman, which was talking about patient uh, doctor visits. Just there's so much information, and it's also unique in each individual one. It's just very cool. <laughs> totally. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. It's it's funny, too, because the fact that you remember who talked about what just floors me. I just love that about you. <laughs> and I can't remember what I had for breakfast, but I can remember that. I can. I didn't have anything yet. I know. I'm so Uh-oh. lame. I know. Make sure to also check out the lineup of wonderful and innovative guests we have scheduled on the Thyroid Nation radio page, including future guests like Dr. Jill Carnahan, Gina Lee Nolan next week. I'm so excited. Dr. Tom O'Brien and our own Shannon Garrett, autoimmune RN, and Raina uh, Kranz and Kimberly Andrews will be on as well, and, and Raina's part I of our radio. I know team. that's, that's going to be huge. very, very cool, right? Yes, fitness. Raina is is the fitness expert, so that I, I think that's such a huge deal for so many people, including it is. <laughs> All right, Dana. It looks like she is with us, so let's get this thyroid nation thriving. Let's do it. Good morning. Hi there. Good morning. Hi. Can you can you hear how, us okay? How are you this morning? <clears throat> I can hear you really well, and I am absolutely wonderful. Thank you. Beautiful morning here in California today. Wow, now you're in Northern California a little bit, aren't you? Yes, I am. I'm out in the Redwoods. Out oh, the my home. goodness. Lucky you. <laughs> oh, I bet it is beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Tiffany's down in Joshua Tree. All right, so not too far. I'm in the desert. Awesome. Do you ever get out here and yeah, go rock climbing or anything? 
uh, don't do that. But um, uh, yeah, we should totally connect when you're in San Francisco or Berkeley or one of those. Uh, we do spend a lot of time there. Wow. Yeah, there, I, also, I was just looking. I, There's a an amazing aromatherapy conference coming up in that area. Oh, so I'm awesome. thinking about you know, trying I'm to actually, hit that. Yeah, awesome. Then let me know because I'm going to go to that as well. It's on my calendar. That's in oh, November, really? right? The Pacific, Pacific Institute of Aromatherapy? Yeah. The conference they're having in early November? You're going to go? Yeah, I am. Oh, yeah. very cool. Yeah. Ah, I'm so jealous. I started working with more and more essential oils in my practice, and so it's been um, it's just totally, you know, total, a lot of interest. Um, yes, and they're amazing, space, and the yeah, lineup for sure. that is fabulous yeah. yeah i just just got that postcard and i was like that looks really good so i'm trying to mm. thinking of trying to swing that one <laughs> so well, very cool yes, they're talking about meeting up in california travis they're talking about meeting up in california and 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 hooking up at this aromatherapy conference and i'm just sitting over here you know, <laughs> costa rica not going to be able to go right? well we'll come visit you too <laughs> oh that's that's true yes okay well Magdalena. you're sipping you are sipping on like real coconut water and having papayas and all that kind of good stuff, real mangoes, and you know we don't have any of that here. So, right. well, that's true. <laughs> I am actually drinking fresh people water as we speak, along with water with lemons. So you're right about that. And I would, right. I don't know what I would do without it. Truly, I absolutely love my coconut water. So they call it agua de pipa. Uh, here in Costa Rica, so I absolutely love it. Did I say your last name even remotely correct? Uh, I did not hear you say it. <laughs> Vishlaki? Yeah, that's a pretty good attempt. Uh, yeah, it's pronounced as Shalaki. Crazy like Polish. Lucky. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Like an S almost? Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, it's an S. Shalaki. The W, you pronounce it as an F, so it's pronounced as Shalaki. So yes. well, my, no, um, I just can't. I just can't wait to get married just for that, just to change my name. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Well, um, my have a my best friend here has actually moved here. We didn't know each other, but she's from Texas, and she actually moved to Texas from Poland when she was 11. So she speaks fluent uh, Polish. So I asked her how to say it because I was like, "Hey," so I emailed her. I was like, "I know you know how to say this last name. You're going to have to pronounce it for me." So she tried to spell it out, you know, for me, and I was like, "No, no, you're just going to have to tell me." So we practiced, <laughs> and I thought I got it right, but anyway. Oh, so you're such a good student. She she'll she'll get a good kick out of that. So so yes. So um okay, well let's get into this. I'm so glad to have you on the show. We connected a long time yes, ago. Yes, we sure and I love are. All of you. <clears throat> I love all of your stuff, and I'm such a fan. So is Tiffany, and I, um, Thank you. you know, you had your you had your thyroid diet coach and hormones balance, which is newer, and then you've kind of updated everything. You also have this cooking for balance that's going on, and I'm actually have um, listed on my site, and I've signed up myself. I'm so excited, so we can talk about that. But I want to I want to hear about your story. Can you tell us a little bit about your thyroid journey and and what brought you here today? Yeah, sure. You know, I'll just make it brief because I think that most of the practitioners, I think people who are really, like the older people you mentioned who you had on your show, I think we all um, went through a similar trajectory, maybe with a little different twists and turns, but it's pretty much, you know, it's always our own stories, right? And, you know, and I know a lot of times we like to tell a story from the time we were diagnosed. And so in my case, it was about 12 years ago I was diagnosed with, um, no more than that, actually, 20 years ago I was diagnosed with Graves' disease. And, um, and, and, you know, and I was given, 
this was not in the U.S. I was given some kind of a thyroid blocker, uh, whatever was the, the name, and and um, and that, that was it. And but then ten years later, it came back with a vengeance. And in 2008, I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's. And you know, we always like to tell the stories from that point on. But I think when I look back at my, my whole life, I was like a perfect candidate for an autoimmune disease and and everything else that went along with that. Because it wasn't just Hashimoto's; it was also I had adrenal fatigue, I had estrogen dominance. And I had no idea that all of those symptoms I was suffering were due to all these hormonal imbalances. And the reason why I say I'm was a perfect candidate for that is because, you know, it's everything from not being a breastfed baby, coming from a mother who always had a lot of digestive issues herself and never had a very healthy, you know, gut flora herself. So whatever gut was in her, you know, in her system, that's what I, right. inoculated me, right? So always had a lot of problems with, you know, digesting gluten and dairy. I had severe problems with eggs. My mom didn't know about it. And that's, you know, coming from a typical Western diet. I mean, gluten, dairy, and eggs is what you give your child, you know, as good food, right? So um, always a lot of eczema, ear infections, you know, as growing, going into um, experiencing just horrendous, cystic acne, regular migraines, horrible PMSs, um, continuously having sinus infections and ear infections, um, you know, and, and that kind of, uh, and always being bloated. I mean, that was like, it was, you know, always looking like a three-month-old, a three-month pregnant, and I was always a very big athlete, and so, you know, weight was never an issue for me, but I always had that little dent, you know, in my in my belly. Um, you know, and I mean, needless to say that whenever I went to a medical, to, to do a medical checkup, everybody's like, oh, you're so healthy, you're so, you know, so active, and uh, I wasn't really feeling on top of my game. But really the, the turning point was in 2008 when uh, things just like really, you know, stuff hit the fan, as we say. And mm-hmm. um, and I was, you know, I was I consider myself really lucky for having been diagnosed so quickly because I already had a history of thyroid. So I pushed the doctor for testing antibodies. And, you know, at that time there was only one book out there about thyroid from Mary Shaman, right, who said test for the antibodies. And I did that came screamingly high. I mean, I was like over to over a thousand, close to two thousand in my in my readings, and um, you know, but with that came horrendous fatigue, and um, um, couldn't sleep. You know, wired and tired, so a very clear adrenal exhaustion, terrible PMSs. Sometimes my period wouldn't come. Um, but you know, I think the biggest thing for me, which was that was a turning point for me, was just feeling like I became a different person. I became really bitter, really, because, um, you know, by nature, I'm a very upbeat and positive person. Um, I'm intense, but I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm positive generally. And I just became so negative and so unhappy. And I remember, like, whenever somebody asked me a question about something that was a little touchy or uncomfortable for me to talk about, I'll go on this rant forever. And I was, like, catching myself thinking, wow, I am so angry and bitter. Like, what's going on here? Um, you know, but that's, I mean, none of it was a surprise because I was, um, given my lifestyle, you know, I used to work in advertising and I used to do strategic planning. So, um, you know, I, I was lucky to work on some very, very big, big brands. And I mean, I had, you know, I had clients like Nike and L'Oreal and Johnson and Johnson and, you know, I mean, people would want to, you know, that's like the ultimate for anybody in my profession, right. To work on brands like that. 
um, I was really good at what I was doing, so I was constantly pulled around. Um, you know, I lived in China at that time, and then I traveled the whole region all the time. So I was spending half of my life on planes and and hotels. Um, so, I mean, you can sort of hear from that story where this is going, right? This is just a total right. uh, recipe for disaster and not eating well and, you know. And I was trying to avoid gluten, but then when you travel at the airport, it's like, you know, you can't. Until today, I have such an aversion to lettuce. Like, I just cannot look at lettuce because of all these years of eating lettuce, salads at airports, you know, because <laughs> they're right. like, the only thing I could eat. I'm like, don't talk to me about lettuce uh, or eel on top of rice. It's just like listening to Kenny G when you walk into a hotel lobby. Like, my, my hair just rises. <laughs> what is that? I'm allergic to that. Um, I'm allergic to you know, that, too. I mean, that's where... That's what the perfect story I'm talking about happened, you know, just the overworking, living in a very toxic environment. Um, and I see that a lot with a lot of women I work with, you know, it's like in the early 30s, when you get a lot of validation for how great you are as a person from um, that external validation from your colleagues and peers and the industry and clients and the money you're earning from being so, so good and and, you know, and I realized later, I didn't realize actually at that time the price I was paying. I used to say that, you know, I would sleep when I die. And and there was, you know, mm. I mean, you work in advertising, so there's a lot of going out, there's a lot of drinking. And I never did any drugs, but, you know, I think even the drinking and smoking was was uh, what really got me. So anyway, um, you know, I I ended up quitting my job and, um, and I set up my own um, company in uh, now it's going to be six years, uh, six years ago, and I never looked back. You know, I went to nutrition school because I was like, this has a feeling that something is, um, food has got a lot to do with how I feel. And um, went to nutrition school, I, I cleaned up my diet, I changed environment, I, I left China, I moved to the United States where I wanted to live and recover. Um, and uh, yeah, and you know, and so I'm, in, in, I'm in remission today and uh, I feel absolutely wonderful. I'm 42 years old, and I feel I feel better than when I was 24. To be perfectly honest with you, it's just in terms of energy and you know sharpness of mind, and um, just I mean overall, just my my whole spirit is just so much brighter. And um, yeah, so you know that's that's basically what happened. And it's not just remission from Hashimoto's, but there's so much more work that I have to do around adrenals, my adrenals, which, you know, took a year to really get them back up to, um, to normalize them really. And then, um, and then estrogen dominance, I mean, we can talk about that because that's really what I, you know, I, I was hoping to, um, to interest, to get the uh, awareness a little bit on, on estrogen dominance with the thyroid community and a connect intimate connection with with the thyroid, but yeah, that estrogen dominance was like the last piece of the puzzle that I had to solve to um, move my health forward. Yeah, I saw Did that um, because I got your I got a, your recent newsletter, and so I saw that that you were working on that, and I know that you're doing the cooking for balance, which we can talk about a little bit later. But yes, absolutely, I want to jump I want to jump into um, estrogen dominance and how to balance that. So, Tiff, did you have a question? No, I just wanted to ask uh, Magdalena. I know Dr. Hyman talks a lot about uh, mercury toxicity that he got from mm-hmm. being in China. Was that something that you uh, experienced as well? 
Yeah, it's a good question. So, um, you know, I, I had it and I, yes, yeah, so definitely um, when I lived in China, I had it and um, and it's not surprising. I mean, you know, the quality of seafood and um, fit, uh, just fish and, and I mean, God knows what's in the water. I don't, I never even had it tested, but I certainly had high heavy metals. Um, I had all my amalgam removed and did a total natural chelation on it and I managed to get them down. Interestingly enough, you know, and this is, I think, goes to a point, to a, to the point. Um, it just, it, you know, it's on the point of um, the, our health. I think it's an ongoing journey, and even though you know my health is better than ever been before, you know, the the thing Dan I was talking about in my later newsletter that I just sent out a couple of days ago was about a candida struggle that I've been going through for the past year, and it was actually interesting. Ever since I got to California. And living out in the boonies, and you know, and I moved from New York City to like same as what you did, right? To move to Costa Rica, I moved to California to out in the redwoods to be, a, you know, to have a really nice, clean living. And Marin, where I live, is the epicenter of organic, right? So, um, you know, I, and I, ironically, I started having horrible candida, like uncontrollable candida, and in spite of oh, wow. being on an incredibly rigid diet of like. I mean, forget sugar, forget alcohol, like zero sugar, not even fruit, not even root vegetables, and I was still super symptomatic. And that is when I knew something was off. And when I what I discovered was that my heavy metals that went back up uh, high, and this time around, a heavy metal called thallium came back really positive, high positive. And thallium in California is there is a suspicion now of cruciferous vegetables being high in thallium. And mm. you know, which is which is um, kind of disheartening. Um, and a lot of times, when your thallium goes up, then your mercury and lead go up as well. And so, I'm currently going to regulation, um, and you know, and I also had to do a parasite cleanse. Um, unfortunately, I took an antibiotic on it because it was a parasite that just would not go away. And interestingly, wow. parasites and heavy metals can really get your immune system out of whack. So. Mm-hmm. I realized from that rigid diet from Candida that it's got nothing to do with what I eat. It's something to do with my immune system not being able to clear Candida because innately we are able to clear it, you know, if we give our body the right environment to do so. I wasn't clearing it. And so the parasite treatment and then now I'm doing the chelation on the heavy metals, and including thallium, and that is, and you know, 80% of my symptoms now are gone for Candida. So that's um, that's this, this is working. It's an interesting journey. I mean, I feel like it's sure it's you know, sure is. And your, your iodine levels, your iodine levels are good, right? Too, because uh, iodine clears mercury also. Yeah, and I'm, so, I'm not yeah, a high no, high iodine mean, proponent. <laughs> just I usually just mention yeah. that. Yeah, it's um, you know I haven't done like an iodine loading tap per se, but I do eat quite a lot of sea, sea, um, sea vegetables. I mean, seaweed so is one eat, of my right, favorite foods. Right, it was good. Right, right, yeah. 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 But thanks for reminding me. I think this is something that I could actually do easily, a, a iodine loading test. My antibodies are on the high, you know, still a little bit on the high side. They went up because of the candida, which is nothing unusual. Um, and so I, I want to probably be careful with overdosing with iodine because I did that before. I took iodine in my... Oh, there's such a fragile balance there. I mean, it's, it, yeah. there's no one perfect number that people can just blurt out. And, you know, there's so many factors that are considered, you know, but it, it's, it, and I'm not a high iodine proponent, obviously, unless somebody had, you know, a, a massive 
toxicity. But I think as a general rule, people just don't realize that, you know, consuming it on a daily basis like you do, you know, is important. It has to be replaced every Mm -hmm. day, you know. It's not like you can eat fish once a week or something like that and think you're good, you know. But it's it's a dietary thing and, and, uh, you know, it's fascinating, Magdalena. You're pointing out the, the perfect thing that Dana and I talk about all the time and especially with you because you've traveled so much and, um, you know, so your exposure to parasites would be greater, and being in China, your exposure for mercury toxicity would be greater. And um, ruling all of these things out, it's never just one and you're done. You know, Dana mm-hmm. and I talk about it all the time. You know, it's it's a consistent, you know, if you have a death in the family or stress or, you know, it's a, it's a consistent check-in, uh, you know, with your body. One thing that's fascinating that I want to point out to the listeners is that your antibodies could be that high. I think you were around two or 3,000, correct? Yeah, I was at 1,600 when I was diagnosed. And yet, and yet your thyroid function was normal. So, the numbers were normal, yeah. I mean, within yes. the range that, you know, whatever, however you right. see it. So, yeah, but that's right, yeah. It's so important that people get their antibodies tested because you can have these full-blown symptoms of hypothyroidism and, and, you know, you just do the simple TSH, T4, and everything's good. And, you know, it's not your thyroid when you can have this full-blown massive autoimmune attack on the thyroid, which can, you know, bring forward all of these symptoms of hypothyroidism, of course, because it's an attack, but yet you'll look normal on paper, aside from the antibodies. That's why antibody testing is so, so important. So important. I, I don't know about you, but I, about 30% of the people, the women I work with, um, have about, have, like, you know, seemingly good thyroid numbers uh, within a range. And even even some of them have, many of them actually have it even within the functional medicine range, ranges which are more rigid, right? And um, and so, yeah, it's totally not, it's, it's just, like you said, it's like really listening to the symptoms and looking at a health history of the person is just so, so important. Yeah. So important. Wow. I mean, it's just, that that's a flower field moment for me because I was the same way, but my, my antibodies only got up as high as 400, 497. But, um, mm. you know, just felt like I was absolutely dying for three years. And, uh, you know, everything was normal. We'll just wait and see. I'm like, uh, now I would be like, oh, no, <laughs> we're not waiting to see anything. You know, yeah. <laughs> we're going to no, mess but, around. Nope. No, but that's a that's a great point too, Tiffany. You you felt absolutely terrible, and your uh, antibodies were four ninety seven, and this is this just goes to show you about you know every every time every week we talk about the same thing. How everybody's so different. And Magdalena, yours were in what two thousand range? Yeah, sixteen hundred. Yeah, sixteen hundred. Yeah. I mean, so everybody is so different. Those numbers are that's a huge difference, right? And so yeah. that's that just goes to show you that that everybody is different. You know, you you have to look at symptoms and you have to you know there's not just one and done you got to keep going you got to keep digging you got to keep looking at at what else Mm. what else is the root cause right right fascinating it really really is all right i would love to hear more about um you know estrogen dominance and what you're what you're experiencing like you said it's much more common than people think yeah, you know, and especially given you, you guys work with so much with so much the thyroid community, I really wanted to bring this up because I feel like um, not enough is being said about it, um, and and I feel like such a big percentage of women who have a thyroid problem also have an issue with estrogen dominance. And so maybe should we just define first 
um, some of the symptoms of estrogen dominance? Yes, please. To give our listeners um, an idea. So you know it's it's actually pretty it's actually pretty interesting like stuff like PMS which majority of women who are still menstruating have experienced it to some degree and it is uh, same as like a lot of digestive issues I mean we assume just because everybody's experiencing them they open up their buttons you know um, after eating because they're bloated it's like normal it's not and having PMS it's not normal especially the more symptomatic it is I mean when it's incredibly painful, when you're going to take a day off, when you can't get through the day without taking painkillers, um, you know, when the bleeding is really heavy, when you see clots in your blood, that is, oh, not cool. And that is that could be a, um, a, very likely it is due to estrogen dominance. Other things like having irregular periods um, or having periods that just wouldn't end, um, that's partly because of low progesterone, so we're going to talk about that. Um, having water retention, you know, like those things where your wind just wouldn't come off. Um, mood swings and irritability, right, uh, especially that's kind of like part of the whole PMS package. But also other stuff like what a lot of women don't realize that infertility or miscarriages um, and uh, or even like, you know, kind of um, superficial stuff, but like cellulite, for instance, um, could be due to estrogen dominance as well as that's an interesting one. Like how the fat around the body is distributed, like where we store it, could also be an indication of what kind of hormonal balance we have. So, for instance, with estrogen dominance, it's pretty common to have hip around, uh, um, fat around our hips and butt and leg, you know, the, the front part of our uh, thighs. That's, that's where um, fat likes to sit when you have um, when you're estrogen dominance. I think interesting. I mean, like a lot. I mean, so many of us are. I'm sure that a lot of your listeners here will be like, "Oh yeah, that's me. That's me." Oh, <laughs> oh. yeah, absolutely. Right. And absolutely. the reason why, and the reason why, you know, I wanted to talk about estrogen dominance is because, um, you know, I I learned it again. It's all part of, I guess, my trajectory and 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 what I see in my own community. Is that you know is like this whole thing about having, for example, breast lumps? Um, oh yeah, sorry, so actually I forgot. Estrogen dominance also leading cause for fibroids, um, breast cancer, breast lumps, um, cysts, endometriosis. All of those conditions are connected to estrogen dominance. And you know, um, I experienced the let's say the the very beginning parts of estrogen dominance because I'm you know because I I just discovered it early and I did something about it, but things like for example thyroid nodules, uh, breast lumps, you know that's what I started experiencing and I thought that's not cool. Started digging further to to my shock, uh, you know discovered that estrogen dominance is the leading cause of having that excessive estrogen, especially the metabolites of estrogen, is what contribute towards growth of thyroid nodules or the growth of, of development of breast lumps. You know, in any woman who's, like, who's been found to have breast lumps, it's like from that point on, you are put on the radar, right? And there is a sense of nervousness around it. There is this, there's so many, you know, there's such controversy around testing for it and to rule out cancer and and then living in fear, which I think is just horrible, you know. And I went through that myself when I had very, very painful um, breast lumps. And, and the whole notion of of getting it diagnosed and, you know, and, and that fear and the, and the pressure that the 
let's say the conventional Western world puts on you that you're going to get a mammogram done. And, right. you know, and really all it took was changing a couple of things in my life. And, right. you know, within within a few months, I mean, the breast lumps were gone. Uh, my thyroid nodules are gone. Like, I don't have them. They completely disappeared, just to let you know, which is another fascinating thing. And that's what I want to talk about on today's show is that, you know, um, if you if you go to PubMed.org and you just enter thyroid cancer or thyroid nodules and estrogen, and there's so many papers that come out showing that estrogen dominance, especially the presence of the aggressive metabolite of, um, we can talk about diagnosing in a second, um, is the leading contributor towards thyroid nodules and thyroid cancer, which is the fastest growing cancer in the country. You know, so that's why I'm so passionate mm-hmm. about it is because when you, you know, it's, it's really, really important to monitor your body and to understand what is going on, that just because you have terrible PMSs, do something about it, and we can talk about solutions in a second. But, you know, don't let it just go on for years and years and years because, it is at some point it can come back and really develop into something more serious. Well, and I think too it's it's so important, and I'm so glad that you're talking about it because it's kind of like, you know, um, estrogen dominance is kind of like adrenal fatigue in conventional medicine, where it really just, you know, uh, doesn't get addressed, and it you know kind of it gets considered somewhat hocus pocus, and yet it's so problematic. You know, conventional medicine waits until it hits a a severe level in order to address it when it's when it's there and predominant before it ever does that. So I'm so glad that you're talking about it because it is very important. So let's talk about diagnosis since that when people have their hormones drawn and what should they be looking for, Magdalena? Right. For, yeah. For um, estrogen dominance. So, yeah. So you know, first first thing is if if um, just because somebody a doctor did a blood test for progesterone and estrogen and they blood test, and then it comes back, and then you say, well, everything looks normal, right? Um, yet you're having all these symptoms that I talked about. Then do further investigation, because I see so far, I mean, I've worked with so many women, and I don't coach one-on-one anymore, but when I used to coach, you know, and do groups and stuff, and there was these women saying, I, my doctor tells me I don't have a problem, I did a blood test. And then when we do a saliva test or when I ask them to do another test I'm going to talk about in a second, then it's a very different story. So always remember to look at the symptoms and work with a doctor who is willing to look at the whole triage of symptoms, blood work, and history, right? Absolutely. So the, um, you know, the test that, I mean, I think the one that really helped me to get diagnosed is the... um, you know, it's just a very simple 2 to 16 hydroxyestrone test that you can get done with uh, with most providers. I mean, this is a my my doctor was a was an internist and she did it. She put it through insurance and um, and that's a totally doable one. So I just repeat, it's this 2 to 16 hydroxyestrone, and it's one of the markers that is actually used for women with thyroid can- uh, uh, sorry with breast cancer. But it doesn't have to just be used for that. This could be a great marker for any form of estrogen dominance. And what it is is that that's one of the components of estrogen dominance is when you look at the percentage or the the ratio of the protective to the antagonistic estrogen metabolite. So estrogen is not just simple estrogen. I mean, estrogen gets 
the various types of estrogens, and one of them gets broken down into these metabolites that can be the, the two with 16, right? So one of them is protective, the other one is, is antagonistic. And when you have too much of the antagonistic one, this is when we want to, you know, uh, we, we want to do something about it. And and there are some diet, simple dietary changes that, that we can talk about in a second that you can do to to skew that balance towards the protective side. So that's one one simple test that I found is um, you know is, is super easy and most doctors will will do it. If you for for people who want to go more towards the um, functional medicine route, I mean there are some really great tests you can test for. Um, you know I, I'm a proponent of steroids, so sex hormones like estrogen, progesterone, cortisol to be either tested through saliva or through urine, I find that to be much more accurate. And, and this is, goes to a point where a lot of women get tested through just the basic estrogen progesterone test. And when we do saliva or urine, it's a very different story. It's, and then the truth comes out that it's not as, you know, it confirms that the symptoms confirm the diagnosis. Um, or right. the, sorry, the blood work confirms the, the diagnosis together with the symptoms. Um and so, yeah, so there is, um, you know, there's a couple of ways functional medicine looks at it, right? It's like, you know, you have something called the EQ, quadru- the estrogen quadrants, which um, compares the three types of estrogen to each other. There's a ratio that you want to have there. So that's one way of looking at it. You have estrogen, estradiol, estriol, E1, E2, right. E3, right? So there's which a is more commonly done. Oh, right, right. Um and then another one that I like to use a lot with my practice is uh, the progesterone to estradiol ratio, right? Because they're like two dumping partners. Um, estradiol tends to be a little bit more, tends to be more aggressive. Progesterone is a protective one. You want to have them in a nice balance, and um, and so that's another that's another great marker. Yeah, so you know there, there are tests out there to to get it get it done. Do you have any favorite way of measuring it? You know, symptoms are usually a really good, just exactly what you said, and and most of the time, unfortunately, um, you know, conventional medicine will just run like a regular progesterone uh, estradiol, but it's, like you said, it's got to be in a nice balance, but symptoms are are huge, you know, and not everybody with thyroid problems has a hormone imbalance. A lot of them can be, cannot have that. It can be more adrenal. It can be more... Um, you know, they can have adrenal problems without it actually having affected their hormones yet. So, like you said, it's a series of, of ruling things out, you know. Um, and a lot of times that's, you know, in... in um, uh, I'm lost of word there, but in defense of conventional medicine, you know, a lot of people will walk in with this massive blood work, and unless it's, you know, um, a, an integrative or functional physician that will you know, most of the time run all that because it's very reasonable. You know, unfortunately, I work with a lot of people uh, in a fairly low-income area where you really have to work with the doctor to get things done. They don't have the choice of having a lot of money to go to a physician of their choice. So it's it's kind of like working within the parameters of their doctor. So getting right. that series of ruling things out and just sort of chiseling down the thing and then you're like, okay, so you have a glimmer or an open door to go down that road um, you know, seems to work better with a lot of my clients that, that, that don't necessarily have a lot of money or the ability to change doctors, which is a real bummer. It can be very, um, it can be very disheartening. But in the same respect, um, you know, I would say the majority of physicians uh, are fairly willing 
um, to go down a route if it's somewhat warranted. And, of course, you might have to go back several times and remind them that the symptoms are still there. And then, you know, it's kind of like poking and prodding. And um, But, I, I unfortunately, yeah. I think my clients are, are a little bit more constrained, I would say, with means. But that doesn't mean that their uh, hands are tied. You know, you still can work within your physician and uh, play by their rules, so to speak, if that makes any sense. Yeah. But here's the thing, right? If, um it's, I mean, we talk about testing, um, but I feel like, you know, testing is maybe a good way, a good thing for people who really want, like, proof of a condition, you know, and, and have maybe as a right. baseline. And That's there, a great point. Who, yeah, and there's other people who are like, okay, you know what, all the stuff that she talked about, all the symptoms, like she mentioned, let's say, you know, whatever, 15 symptoms, and I'm taking, like, 10 of them. So it's pretty clear that I've got... I've got estrogen dominance going on here. Absolutely. And the thing is that the solutions that we're going to talk about, I mean, they are so they are so easy and benign that it's not like you are embarking on some kind of a herbal, herbal experiments or, you know, taking something, taking any form of medication or a risky supplement that's going to be right. creating, posing any form of risk. Those are just simple dietary changes I want to talk about. I and, agree. And right, I think so most people even, don't realize how much yeah. havoc sugar in and of itself or carb loading can actually wreak on hormones. I, I don't think, oh, I tell people have lived the change, I don't think they realize how much power food really has over moods, emotions, you know, candida, yeast overgrowth, which is candida, but I'm saying so much power over all of those things, even just simply mood or anxiety. It's what they put oh, their absolutely. mouth and then when they make that association, that relationship of I just put this in my mouth and in an hour and a half I feel like I'm coming out of my skin or like you said, I'm bloated or, you know, I'm moody or I'm irritable or, you know, I'm like, what, what, did, you know, what did you eat? That's my first question. I mean, for, for people that love me and are close to me, it, it's, a, it's a, the golden Tiffany question is what did you eat? <laughs> you might find right. like my father. You know, my father recently had a bout of um, his second bout of prostate cancer, and my dad's been on levothyroxine for 50, 65 years. But um, I said, my dad, and he's worried now. They're trying to convince him he has bone cancer. I unfortunately don't agree. And I said, well, fortunately, I should say don't agree. And my dad was talking to me about making a drive to go visit his sister. My father's 87. And he has pain when he's been in the car a long time. And I love my dad because he's crazy healthy and he worries about these little aches and pains, and and I'm like, Dad, you're you're 87, <laughs> you're like mm-hmm. smoking healthy, right? But I'll tell him, you know, I can go to a level nine pain just by what I put in my mouth. And I said, yeah. a lot of times it'll start in my left hip, and then and it can radiate, and it's a good sized pain just by what I ate. And I think so many people, I don't know if you see it a lot too, Magdalena, but so many people don't realize or associate, oh, hey, it could have been in my meal, simply, you know, or the amount, you know, so many people don't also include the carbohydrates and the sugar that comes in their beverage. You know, if you ask... And the reverse of that is that food can, and the reverse of that is that food can also be healing too. Absolutely. I mean, it's so very, very cool and so simple. And it goes beyond your doctor. You know, like you said, if something comes out negative on a test, some people are looking for that proof on the paper. You know, I mm. like it as a guideline, so to speak, but it's it's not absolute, you know. 
But, yeah. you know, then you tell them that what you put in your mouth is, is entirely your choice of whether you feel yeah. fabulous and mentally cognitive and energetic and ready to go or not. Well, so then you're wait putting the power that's, back in the hands of the patient. That's not fair. Cool. That's not fair. What about the, what, the the chocolate, dark chocolate that has power over me in the kitchen? It does. <laughs> and the two squares of me. dark chocolate are okay, but, you know, a lot of people, especially <laughs> if you have insomnia, it's not a good choice to eat that at 930 at night. Yeah. It's it's not only the what, Magdalena, it's also the when, correct? Yeah, oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, and, you know, it's, um, and it's interesting to talk about chocolate, right, because there's, um, you know, that's such a, that's such a issue with so many, so many of us, and, um, you know, and I don't know whether you guys talked about on your previous radio shows about food cravings, but that's one of my other favorite topics. It's just like what your body needs, right? And it tells you what what it's um, what actually is going on that you really we can support our body through, you know, with that need. And um, chocolate is is a, typically is a magnesium thing, so magnesium Absolutely. deficiency. Yeah, so that's that's a good that's a good one to listen to. It's actually not a sugar craving. It's um, yeah, it's a magnesium deficiency. Body's asking for magnesium, like pumpkin seeds. Or iron. I, chocolate could also be an iron, you know, where the body's craving more, more iron because it's a good source of iron. But the, you know, the type of chocolate that you're eating and what else is included in the chocolate, you know, there's a huge difference between, you know, 70% dark chocolate and milk chocolate. You know, sure. One is going to completely throw, you know, yeast and sugar and in one direction, and and seventy percent chocolate, as as a general rule, depending on the manufacturer and whatever, uh, can yeah. actually be food. You know, it's usually significantly less in sugar and higher in nutrients and minerals, and um, you know, and it's it's just it's fabulous when you know because I think people get so overwhelmed, Magdalena. And we don't if you see it too in your clients where they get so overwhelmed by the no 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 don't eat this don't eat that don't eat this don't eat that that we forget to teach people how, not necessarily to cheat, but to, to, to be able to engage yes. in their craving. And, and uh, one thing Dr. Hedberg said uh, last week was it's really important for people to feel, you know, well and happy and embracing. Like you've got some amazing recipes <laughs> on your uh, thyroidietcoach.com. Uh, dot com, you know, where you can still mm-hmm. enjoy and indulge and feel like you're nourishing yourself and I think eating is such an emotional experience, you know. It's uh traditionally an embracing and life sustaining and slow and it used to be with family and uh it was a very nourishing act where right now we're sort of in this you know, where everything is quick, we're all busy yeah. and we've lost that art of 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 nourishing and eating, you know, it should be enjoyable. And, and, and we've, we're, especially in the thyroid community, we see it a lot where everything's no, 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 no. Don't eat this. Don't eat that. Yeah. You know, you probably see it a lot where people say, what do I eat? What can I eat? Yeah. You know, it can be very depressing in and of itself to, to make all of those exclusions. So we want to hear more about your fabulous because you have so many wonderful uh, recipes and suggestions and, um, so tell us about healing your favorite. advice. Healing food, yes. Let's go healing. Let's go food healing. Yeah, yeah. Why don't we talk <laughs> about that? Um, you know, and and um, 
so initially at the beginning of the show I talked about we talked about estrogen dominance and I promised all of us in today we will talk about the how to reverse estrogen dominance, right? So why don't we tie it in together, how to support some of the foods that Absolutely. we can add on? Fabulous. Okay. So so the um so first and foremost, estrogen dominance is completely reversible, totally manageable. And um one of the big foods, the superfoods that really helps with estrogen dominance is flaxseed. Um and I prefer the golden flaxseed because nutritionally is a little bit more is a little richer than the brown one, but both of them are perfectly fine. Um, I recommend to buy it in the in the in the form of a full feed and then grinding it regularly yourself so doing it like I grind mine for a week's worth and keep it in a jar in the fridge um, because it does get oxidized very easily. And so same thing, think about it like flaxseed oil um, goes rancid really quickly. You know, you buy it in a dark bottle, you keep it in the fridge. So it's a very volatile um, substance. And so you want to keep your flaxseed in the fridge, grind it weekly. Don't buy the flax meal. That's already per ground. Just get the fresh stuff. If you get it from a bulk section, save you tons of money. And um, or thrive market. Well, that, um, well, and that's a good point. Thank you for saying that because I buy mine already ground. So I'm I'm going to change that immediately. Yeah. Yeah, and a lot of people ask, can I use flaxseed oil? Uh, the answer is no, because you want the ligaments, and the ligaments is what's going to help with the estrogen metabolism, um, and that's not going to that's that in the fiber of it. So you can you won't get that benefit from um, from your oil. And you know, it's really as simple as just making it a diligent point to use flaxseed um, throughout. You can either use it throughout the month, or you use it in something called seed rotation. I'll talk about it in a second. But basically, you do two tablespoons a day, and you can throw that into your smoothie. You can throw that into a salad. Just have it diluted. Just have it in the water. It doesn't really matter. Um, flaxseed is a, is a very um, – a lot of people get very confused about why do I recommend flaxseed since it is known to contain a lot of phytoestrogens. And so estrogen, like I said at the beginning, it's a little more complex. It's not just black and white estrogen you know, um, putting in more estrogen into the body is going to make you estrogen dominant. It's, what happens with, astro- with flaxseed is that flaxseed actually helps to skew the balance that, that I, when I talked about it, metabolized at 2 to 16, it helps to skew the balance towards the more protective um, metabolite, the hydro- hydroxyestrone. So it's... Um, so it's actually a lot of women start experiencing far less PMSs and just improvements of all the um, estrogen dominant symptoms when they do that. Now, having said that, um, I find that maybe one out of 20 women that I work with has a reverse reaction to flaxseed because you've got to listen to your body. If you're incorporating flaxseed and you feel like your breasts are actually more tender and your PMS got worse, then stop it. But majority, a vast majority of women I found um, are, would benefit. And something that I, um, you know, I've been taught by by my mentors in a natural, uh, in a naturopathic field is something called a seed rotation. And I think that's the one you guys, that's the article you guys posted on your uh, Thyroid Nation website. And seed yeah. rotation is basically a wonderful technique of rebalancing your cycle. And I'm, I'm talking about now women who are menstruating, but Women who are preparing menopausal or menopausal can use that as well. Um, if you're menstruating, you still have your cycle, you basically do 
what you want to do is in the first part of your cycle, so from day one, day one is the first day of your period, day one to day 14, um, you want to help to your body with producing more estrogen. And you can do that by incorporating that flax seed I talked about, but you can also add on pumpkin seeds. They, they go really nice. I together. love pumpkin seeds. <laughs> yeah, but you're going to grind They're them as well. They're such a huge source of magnesium. They're amazing food. <laughs> exactly, right? So um, smoothies, I, f- I find, is one of the easiest ways of incorporating food like that. And um, and then in the middle of your cycle, so from day 14, but I'm assuming here your cycle is 28 days. If it's 30 days, you just do it up to day 15. In the middle of the cycle, then you switch over to helping your body to sup- helping your body to produce more progesterone. Now there isn't any food that we know of that actually has progesterone or progestin in it per se. But what we can do is help the body to produce progesterone by um, and zinc and vitamin E are the two, uh, the vitamin and the and the micronutrient that is really important for progesterone uh, to be produced. And you can find that in sesame seeds and sunflower seeds. So now in, phase, in second part of your cycle, you now switch over to grinding sesame seeds and sunflower seeds, and it's typically you can do one tablespoon of, tablespoon of each and then throw that into um, your smoothie. Again, it has to be ground. So I've got some recipes there you guys posted. I think it's part of the article uh, for crackers. You can make your own crackers with that, and um, that's that's really just a great way of doing it. But, you know, I'm a very practical girl, um, and in order to... To make this a consistent uh, change in in anybody's life, I think we need to make things really simple. So what I would suggest is pre-grind flaxseed and pumpkin for, you know, for for a week's worth and do that two times, right? And have it on your, have it in your fridge or on your shelf and just make it really super simple like a supplement. You just put that into water or smoothie or salad. And you do the same thing with the sesame and sunflower seeds because, if you don't get prepared that way, a lot of times people drop off and they're like, they do this for a week or two. They're like, oh, I don't know if this is working. Right, they and can't like with stick to it. everything with hormones, right, like everything with hormones, you need you need to give yourself at least three-month cycle to really see an in, in, uh, you know, a significant improvement. We, we are very, I think we live, especially in America, I feel like we live in a very um, instant gratification kind of an environment where it's like I take a mm-hmm. pill and, you know. Right, I've done it for 24 hours. <laughs> right. I tried right. it for 24 hours and I didn't feel different. You're like, wait a minute. Right. Yeah. Uh, so uh, so be, be patient with that. Just be gentle in your body. And, and so doing that is going to help tremendously. And um, to, to get the, and this is too much information. Just go look at the article on thyroid nation. You you see it there. Um, and then if somebody is menopausal, then it's basically you do the same thing, the two week rotation, but you just start anytime you want. If you're perimenopausal and your cycles are all over the place, just pick a day uh, when you say if you're bleeding, use that as day one. It doesn't really matter. Just keep going for two weeks and then two weeks. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's just a wonderful, simple way of supporting. Yeah, the whole estrogen progesterone um, balance. So that's one one big thing. The other thing I want to just talk about, since we are talking about incorporating more healing foods, is uh, you know is the whole really fascinating fascinating research that's been that's now being done um, around something called the estrobolum. And the estrobolum is a subset of bacteria in the gut that helps our body 
to break down estrogens, especially the you know the in the the one that we talked about in order to move them in the in the about in the in the direction of being more in the protective estrogen rather than the antagonistic one that creates the growth of all the tumors is so who would have thought right who would have thought that your gut and your gut bacteria the probiotics we talked about that you know we talk about the uh, the fermented foods, right, that people always talk about to populate that with good bacteria to your, give you your gut good bacteria. Who would have thought that these little bugs will determine how your body metabolizes and uses and excretes uh, estrogen? I mean, isn't that fascinating? It is fascinating. It, it I is. love the human it body. It's, it's a miracle, the walking miracle of, yeah. I mean... It's probably so, a good you know, thing that most people don't know how it works because <laughs> it would be overwhelming, just just everything. Yeah, so, you know, we, we can just make it simple. And the simple and the takeaway from all of this is that, um, is, is, you know, number one is if you, um, I, I, I'm a proponent of populating your gut with good bacteria coming from two sources. One is having a really good probiotic, which is what most people like to do, and they think that's enough. Uh, but actually, probiotics, you know, there's there's hundreds of bacteria, and we and when you look at your probiotic bottle, there's like maybe if it's a good probiotic, it will have between eight to twelve strains, right? You need we need more than that, and that's the beauty of food, of fermented food, is that it gives you a whole variety of a much broader range a spectrum of bacteria. And so, you know, one of some of my favorites, and really they are just available in most health stores now. Um, is things like uh, sauerkraut, you know. Uh, say that, say that again, Magdalena. I didn't hear your name. Say that again. Sauerkraut. Okay. Can you hear me? Yeah, yes. for some reason I... Yes. Okay. <laughs> I can hear yeah, you so perfect. Sauerkraut, I think I've... You know, right. Fermented uh, cabbage, right? Um, and, you know, and... And again, like if if you're talking, um, if somebody has got a tight budget, then you know honestly, it is so incredibly simple to make it yourself. Just Google how to make sauerkraut. I mean, as simple as grating cabbage, massaging it with some um, sea salt, getting the getting the juices out. It's gonna take a while. You're massaging it for like maybe ten, fifteen minutes. Putting I love it in a jar. Sauerkraut. And you could put right? it on anything. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, but guys, don't you do? Do you remember? I don't know about you. Um, and you know, uh, did you grow up in Poland? Yeah. So yeah, I I did. Um, not many years, but you know, I have I my um sorry, my parents are Polish, so my mom used to make sauerkraut and like dill pickles at home all the time. Yes, but did you like the way it smelled? Because when I was (laughs) when I was younger. When my parents would, you know, my mom would, you know, make sauerkraut, my husband too, you know, we'd walk in the house and we'd be like, oh, my gosh, mom's making sauerkraut. And now as we've gotten older, we absolutely crave it and, and love it. It's just so funny, right? And so, yeah. but living over there in Poland, I'm wondering, you know, if that was more of a staple kind of food for you guys. Oh, absolutely. I grew up with that stuff. And, you know, and, um, yeah, it's, I mean, like, it's it's really, really um it's just so important, I think, when you grow up with that kind of food, you have a good natural natural love for it. You know, my boyfriend who grew up with lollipops, he still now, <laughs> he still cringes. With, you know, it, it, it's funny, you know, I did a talk at this clinic here in California. They invited me to do a talk, and 
it's actually a pediatric clinic, but I did it for a lot of the mothers because a lot of the mothers are struggling with their hormones. And so I did a talk there. And, and the, But it was such an amazing clinic, and one of the things that they teach there is to for the mothers to start giving sauerkraut juice to children when they start, when they start breastfeeding because, you know, breast milk is very sweet. And so naturally, yes. as humans, we have this predisposition to for loving sweetness, sugar, and then we get very easily addicted to it, right? So they they said alternate it with sauerkraut juice, and so let the child get used to the sour taste because most Americans are not used to it. You know, that but is at the same so time, smart. Yeah, it's super smart. It's really, I mean, I thought it was just wonderful. Well, and mom, but, you know, mom has, can even mom can uh, eat consume the sauerkraut and pickles too. And the the babies will get that through the breast milk and pass also. It on. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, but you know, but the good news is, I mean, even if somebody I didn't, I don't want anybody to feel this power. You know, um, feeling like you're not empowered just because you didn't grow up that way. But it it right. is a bit of an inquired taste. Um, but I can tell you one thing that I've turned a lot of people into making the old ferments, and that's part of the, you know, the cooking show that you talked about earlier, Dana, Cooking for Balance. Because the oh, first fabulous. class actually we do is I teach fermentation and the simplest forms, you know, and people are amazed at how incredibly simple um, and creative you can get with the spices and different combinations of vegetables in your own kitchen. The only thing you've got to, be, to do is be patient and let, you know, let it develop over a few weeks, Right. But, you know, right. I just had photos of women posting this whole bunch of different crafts, you know, KVASS, um, which is just basically a, a, a beetroot tonic that is a wonderful blood, blood cleanser as well. And it's a, it's a huge liver detoxifier. And really it's just as simple as putting a whole bunch of beets into water with some, you know, kumquat and maybe an onion and um, and some cabbage. Um, but, I mean, the, the staple one is just the, the, the beetroot, you know, that's cut up. And you leave it out for a couple of days. I like to inoculate mine with some additional stuff. Like from Body Ecology, they have a beautiful veggie starter. So you're just adding additional um, bacteria into it, good bacteria to, you know, to, to make it even more potent. And you're just leaving it out for two days, and then you've got this most amazing tonic, you know, which... Now they sell it in health stores here. At least in California, we have quite a bit of them. But it's so expensive, you know. When you make it yourself, it's like you're making a fraction of the cost, and it's so fun. Absolutely. I have a quick question for you, Magdalena. I know that you talk about uh, not being breastfed. I wasn't breastfed either. My mom came from that era of, yeah, came from the era of getting the shot, and, you know, then you don't have to be leaking everywhere (laughs) You know, and yeah. I was raised on soy formula because I couldn't have dairy. So my question to you is, are you a proponent of replacing colostrum? Because uh, most people don't understand that that colostrum is huge in the, in the gut barrier of the infant. Um, yeah. Any Anything, do you uh, recommend uh, colostrum to yeah. your clients or, I, or are there I other do. things yeah. that you recommend? I do. Is this part of the when we do the gut restoration uh, protocol? Yeah. You know, I, I definitely do, and I like to clear out the candida first, and then and then populate it with the right bacteria, and then using colostrum. Absolutely. So that's right. part of my protocol. That's a short-term Fabulous. measure, not as a thing you do forever. Yeah. Right. Right. And I think so many people don't realize that. I would love to do a survey on breastfed as opposed to not breastfed. You know, in oh, the, me in too. the thyroid that's community. That's such a great idea. Whether, 
It is, you know. I mean, I, I think there was a short one that was done one time on Hashimoto's 411, uh, and there was an interesting, you know, diverse uh, of answers, but I didn't follow it for very long. But it would be, you know, just a personal curiosity of mine. It would be interesting to yeah, see. Yeah, you know, one of the, I, I mean, I just, you know, just from working with people, I, I know that about 80% of my clients were not breastfed. But, again, it's not, I mean, I wouldn't want to use it as that, you know, as that, as it well, is a sentence that, that you're percentage? not breastfed. What's that? What what percentage did you say? I would say about 80%, 8 out of 10 wow. women I work with, um, wow. one-on-one, yeah. when I used to work, it's, we're not breastfed. But I also don't want it to be, you know, a sentence. Negative. Like, oh, because, Absolutely. Yeah, right, because a lot of people were not breastfed and they don't have issues like us and vice right. versa. Right, we can get past so, it. Yeah. Yes. But the I, think it's just, it, I think what's important to recognize is that, and I remember reading a, a, a paper on that, medical paper on that, is that what they have found is that um, people who are not breastfed are tend to have a, um, a lower... Uh, profile of fetal bacteria in our gut, and so, um, so like one of the things that I do in my practice is that I pay a lot of attention to replenishing, um, you know, using a probiotic that's got a lot of different strains of bifido, and there's a lot of different bifido. So I always pick the one that's got like you know more of the bifido, and and I always like to, you know, switch my probiotics around, but I always pay a lot of attention to the bifido. And probiotics can change, correct? For some people, you might need a certain probiotic at one time, and then you would change into a different probiotic. You know, probiotics totally. can be much more individual than people think, you know. And there are probiotics that you can take that may not make you feel well that are over-proliferating, yeah. you know, the wrong good bacteria. And, uh, totally. yeah, that's something. Yeah. No, that's not something. I didn't realize that. I mean, I, I, you know, I'm still on my healing journey, and Tiffany's been dealing with this a lot longer than I have. But I did not know that. I didn't realize that some probiotics could make you feel worse or, or, um, or oh, know, bring out. Yeah, there's different, you know, there's different formulations how they are for, how they are how they are made, and there's different. Some some companies use different fillers and stabilizers in them, which that itself can create a reaction. Um, definitely, I mean, I've had clients who can you know take one probiotic and we take another brand and similar bacterial profile and they have a totally different reaction. So the bummer about all of this is that most of them are expensive and it's like you wouldn't know until you try it. I wish they right. had like little <laughs> samplers, you know, where people can buy and and try it. Oh, that would be so, um, what a great idea. Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so I, I think, you know, those are just the two big things. I mean, if you just do the seed rotation and start incorporating more fermented foods into your diet, I mean, that already, that in itself, um, it's a big it's a big thing. And just maybe one more note on estrogen dominance, you know, is really look into removing all what's called the xenoestrogens, all the stuff that smells really nice in the house that is advertised on big television commercials or in magazines. Right. Yay, go essential oils, right, Magdalena? Yay. That's right. 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 So switch <laughs> to essential oils. Like anything that, you know, see all the, I, I mean, I'm not going to go into brands, but, you know, you know what I'm talking about, all the big brands. Uh, just Beautiful, get rid of good. all that stuff. Right, yeah. right, exactly. Beautiful, good, pure of, essential oils of, for fragrance. That's full of estrogens and these est- I mean, stuff that mimics estrogens and is not the real stuff and it just creates so much of an endocrine mess. You know. Avoiding plastics as much as plastics, possible. I always yeah. talk about people avoiding plastic, particularly in things like essential oils and coconut oil and honey in particular. Oh, my God. 
they don't belong yeah. in plastic whatsoever. They have inordinate drawing capabilities, and uh, yeah. most people ingest them for fabulous health and wondrous. And but glass only, uh, glass only. It's mm-hmm. just none none of those three things belong in plastic, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. That's a flower field right there. Yeah. It is. <laughs> it is. We 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 do this often, Magdalena. I don't know if you've heard any of our previous shows, but sometimes when when the guests or, or we come up with something that that we just need to think on or ingest or absorb, we just we just don't talk. And I know we've all kind of grown up knowing that you know when there's dead air, you know that's that's not good or that's what people are, are taught to think. But we we're just we just go with it. We're just okay because we're just absorbing. We're it's learning. And we're moment, just. Yeah. It is, so we call it our flower field moment. You know, like we need one of those buttons that push where you hear the angels go, you know? <laughs> No, seriously, because, you know, I people do need to realize that things don't, you know, those kinds of things that you're going to consume do not need to be in plastic. I mean, that's the whole point. There's BPAs and there's leaching and all kinds of stuff. I mean, I just I just got a post from this woman who said, you know, went to the doctor and Hashi's and all this kind of stuff and blah, 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 and and it came to find out that um, later she she was she was using the Keurig machine thing. Oh, the Keurig people are going to contact me. I'm going down. <laughs> You're going down. <laughs> we don't have those here in Costa Rica, but I've seen them. And you pop it's a plastic machine, and you pop those plastic things and have the, and you put them in. And you, I mean, I just it's just crazy. And it was making her sick. She said once she removed that, it really helped her a lot. I mean, just that one thing. I think yeah. that's just I'm amazing, sure there's multiple right? chemicals in those little cups, yeah. Oh, oh yes, yes, yes. Totally. All of those all yeah. of those fla- flavors yeah, and that everybody loves the taste of that are just horrid for yeah, you. Yeah, so exactly and, and the and the so the two I think main things, right, is plastic that anything that's in the plastic that's got an acidic profile to it. So like you mentioned honey, for example, a lot of people don't realize honey is actually quite acidic. Um but also anything that is got with comes with heat, right? So that's when the a lot of the chemicals start leaking into the food when it's heated up. So drinking your coffee from a coffee cup through the plastic cover, uh, right. that's one you know that's one formula for getting yourself point. loaded up with that stuff. And um, yeah, just you know bottled water, especially in one, in summer when it's transported. Um, so just avoiding things like that. But again, I mean, this can be kind of overwhelming. Um, and what I recommend is just to kind of like create a, a plan every month or so. There is something you want to address because otherwise, if if somebody's starting at ground zero, they haven't. They are still drinking from plastics and eating a standard American diet. All of this is really overwhelming. So I always recommend to start off with a diet and then look into your cosmetics and skincare stuff and the plastics in your life. That's just, um, you know, as in next month, next month. Give yourself assignments for every month that something you want to do, like get rid of right, the baby plastics. Steps. Yeah, That's baby a great steps way months. to do it. Yeah. yeah. And that doesn't, that takes out a lot of the overwhelming, you know, just, you know, one particular, if you're, you know, like you said, a bottled water drinker, take, pick one. That's a great plan to do. Yeah. Just do a plastic water bottle drinker. Right. Yeah, and just yeah, you know, I I honestly have to admit, yeah, I'm an Avion drinker, and uh, we 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 live, you know, quite a ways away, about an hour from a distributor that actually sells it in glass, and so every now and again we go and we buy, you know, quite a bit of the cases of glass, but it's uh, that's my downfall right there is Avion and plastic. (laughs) Oh yeah, no. I mean, here's the thing: if there are 
if there are 50 things that can be contributed towards estrogen dominance, right, and you you cut out 40 of them, then you're already giving your your body an amazing break, right? So, right, it, right. I mean, that's one way of looking at it. It's it's not striving for perfection, but striving for improvement, and that's that's really key. Oh, I and like that. That's that gonna, I don't. That's gonna be. That's going to be uh, Magdalena's uh, quote for the Thyroid Nation radio meme. I love that. Oh, thank you. <laughs> that is a good one. And like you said, right? the more right, the more predominant the symptoms are, Magdalena, right, the more you want to, you know, the more things you want to cut out and cut out and cut out and cut out, you know. Because I think it's it's overwhelming to feel that we can get away from plastic, especially in our plastic society, you know. Yeah. But, um you know, like you said, do well, as much as you can. and Well, and there's some things that you're not going to be able to get away with, so then you just have to be okay with that because you don't want right. it to be a negative thing, as as Magdalena said earlier. You know, you just do what you can, baby steps. Right. You know, I've got my computer right here in front of me. It's plastic. It's made from plastic. It's got all kinds of toxins, bromine and bromides and all kinds of things. And there's, <laughs> I'm not going to get rid of it, right? It's not going anywhere. So there are some things I can do and some things I can't do. So you just kind of have to own that and take baby steps to working towards getting rid of much of the the plastics that, you know, you can and not worry about the rest, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, let me ask you really quick, uh, really quick. Do you, so are you taking any kind of, or did you ever take any kind of thyroid um, supplements or or medications, uh, natural desiccated thyroid or, or Centroid or no, any of no, that? No, no medication because, remember, my numbers were all perfect. So they didn't they didn't want to give me any medication for that. Um, when I started experiencing hair loss at one point, um, when I was already doing my stuff, my, you know, my business, uh, my, my practice, um, they, I started having incredible hair loss. And what that's when I went to test my heavy metals and they were very high. And um, and so, but I didn't actually before I, before that I, when I started having health, I thought it's my thyroid again. So I went to see somebody just to help me address it, like pronto. And I had I was put on T3, but that's the interesting thing, right? Is that it stopped for a month and then the health came back in spite of being on. I think I was given cytomel. Um uh-huh. and that was just like an experiment, going like, oh, let's see what that feels like to be on thyroid medication, and you know, but right. I. But that goes to a point like if you do not address the underlying causes of what's causing of, of your symptom, like in my case it was heavy metals and probably estrogen dominance combination, then that medication is going to stop working. And that's your classic, you know, um, happening, right? I mean, classic case right there when you have people taking medication and then at some point it just stops working. And when it right. stops working, is that's when you know, that's when you have all these comprehensive books and programs and whatnot people teach you, like whether, you know, it's like the way you teach and Isabella has it in her book, right? It's like look at your gut, look at your heavy metal, right. look at your liver, right? Look at right. your sugar the level, wound is, another important one. The wound right? is still seething under the Band-Aid. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. Right, exactly. That's point. So that's, yeah. And and supplements, you know, I'm very shy from supplements. I only take them when I have to, and I'm very strategic about them. I don't pop, like, multivitamins and stuff like that. I think that's rubbish. Um, but, you know, like, for example, right now, like, when I wrote in my email, I, I'm going through the chelation, and I have to avoid all the cruciferous vegetables because it's the whole thing in California, that they're high Italian, right? But then I'm also, this month, I actually experienced PMS for the first time in years. And, and I know that this is because I cut out cruciferous, and cruciferous, are you know they're high in 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 a substance called dim methane, 
which actually helps with estrogen metabolism. So, you know, so, so that's actually another pointer for a lot of people. Gosh, we can go on forever with this show, can't we? We <laughs> right? do, yes. We we experience that a lot where we're like, oh, no. I yeah, know. I know. We we like, aren't we, like, over time? <laughs> no, well, no, we um, I I have it as an hour and a half show just to just in case. We do okay. go over because we do go over all the time. So, um, so yeah, okay. you can go ahead so, and then and then we can so wrap it up. Entirely Sorry about up that. to you. Entirely. Yeah, okay, you so let me just share to. because this is actually another piece because we're talking about adding things in, right? So this is actually another really important piece of it. Um, I think it's worth mentioning is that cruciferous, which just to make it clear, all the uh, brassica family of vegetables like broccoli and kale and collard greens and Brussels sprouts and cauliflower, bok choy. Um, uh, and by the way, not chard and spinach, with, which is a lot of the stuff, all these websites copy-paste from each other. What is a cruciferous vegetable? Then they have that in there. It's not a crucifer, right? So these crucifers are, like I said, rich in dim, and dim actually helps to metabolize estrogen. And that's one of the things that's killing me is that misinformation, you know, again, the copy-paste from people who don't check facts and just lame bloggers who go, oh, you know, don't eat crucifers, like they're going to kill your thyroid. It's the biggest bloody nonsense, right? Because you're actually then compromising your own estrogen metabolism, your, your body's ability of getting rid of estrogen through that dim. And the truth is that as long as you cook these vegetables, these crucifers, you steam them lightly, you know, they are, they are I think, just lightly cooked, lightly cooked or cooked, um, the crucifers properties, sorry, the properties of the goitrogens are significantly reduced and you're not causing yourself a thyroid issue at all. I mean, I eat them all the time and my thyroid is in perfect good shape. But on the contrary, this is when, you know, now I remove these crucifers because of what, because of the isolation I'm doing in California. And guess what? My PRs come back, right? Came back. And I was like, what? The, you know, at first I was like, what is going on? Wow. But then yeah. I realized of course, I used to eat two servings of crucifers every day, and now I don't eat them any, at all, right? And it's look at what happened. Like my PMS within months, it came back with a vengeance. It was really bad this month. So, you know, well, so what do I do? I take a supplement, you know, because I can't get it from vegetables. But I typically am very, um, I'm very, very, uh, like, you know, kind of, I'm not a supplement person. I don't like popping pills. I always want to look for solutions in food, but sometimes you just can't. So, yeah. Well, let well, me I ask think you really quick, just because. Well, sorry. Go ahead, Tiff. No, no. Go ahead. I was just going to say. Well, I can't remember exactly what I was going to say, but <laughs> something something about that. Um, you know, do, are you a strong um, proponent or? I can't remember the words I was going to say now. Um, you know. You go ahead with your question, Tiff, and it'll come back to me, and then I'll say it, and it'll sound better. So go ahead. <laughs> no, no, I was just going to say it's so balance is so important. You know, balance is 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 very important. You know, anytime, like you said, you are excluding an enormous, you know, food group that you were doing quite a bit of, and and you're experiencing, you know, problems from that. Balance is is very, very, very important. You know, I I personally am not a, a food group exclusion proponent. Unfortunately, I think it's it's you know you see it cause more problems than not you know in most people, but um, you know balance is just so important. And I and I love what you say about the supplements as well. And um, are you a fan of herbal 
preparations or um, anything like, say, for example, if someone has malabsorption syndrome or uh, pernicious anemia, things like that, do you have yeah, a food course. protocol yeah. that combats that, Magdalena, or do you enjoy yeah. herbs more sure. than supplements? Or yeah, that's, I mean that's that goes back to the the, the word strategic, right? So using it right. when when needed, when it gives you specific, when you have a specific deficiency, and fixing it that way. So whether it's through herbs or supplements, absolutely. Um, where you know where my reservation comes in is just to give you an example. For instance, do you guys have a lot of what's your audience like? Do you have like women who are menopausal listening to the show? We yes, we do. Or is it, you do. Okay. I would say so, I would say it varies quite a bit. To be honest, I would okay. say it, varies, it covers a, it co- covers a broad range. But yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's just take menopausal women, right? And so here here is the thing: like you know, as a menopausal woman, if you going through the symptoms, you go and see a practitioner, right? And they go, well, you know, there's this Chinese medicine, there's this Chinese herb, and there's black cohosh, depending on who you see, right? And then she takes it, and then the hot flashes, let's say, let's say she was having a lot of hot flashes and bad mood swings, forgetfulness. And so the black cohosh helps with the hot flashes, right? And, And then it helps for three months, maybe six months, maybe... You know, and then and then it stops, and then they'll come back, and then she ups the dose, and it doesn't work, and then it makes it gives her side effects. And you know what I have found in my practice, and that's what I teach. That's what the whole cooking program that you talked about, cooking for balance, is about. And that the word you mentioned about balance, to find a sacred balance in your body, because what I have found is that these hot flashes go away. When typically hot flashes happen when you've got a really low estrogen going on, right? And the question is. Sure, your ovaries are now slowing down. You're not going to be producing as much estrogen as when you were in your 30s and 40s. But can it be that, you know, the body has an incredible ability of rebalancing itself and then the adrenals can step in and start producing estrogen to support so you don't have these hot flashes. So why do you have, like, what's causing the burden for, on, the adre- uh, sorry, on the adrenals and the ovaries to be, not to be producing estrogen? And guess what? When I work with women and we get them off gluten, minimize sugar, get them off coffee, that's a huge one, especially for older women with menopause, oh, my God, all these incredible changes start happening. Hot flashes go away, night sweats, no more, um, you know, forgetfulness improves, mood improves. And so this is where my reservation comes in with these herbal solutions is that, you know, sometimes we want to address a specific symptom that we have. And, uh, but without really looking at, you know, that, that, that finding that balance, like looking at my digestion, looking at my liver, looking at my sugar levels, right? And that's what I have found is that, um, you know, if you want to immediate relief of a symptom, I think it's important just to improve our quality of life so we have a sense of enthusiasm and, um, you know, and, and, and positivity to, to plan ahead. But always in mind that my short-term plan, I'm going to pop a supplement, I'm going to take a herb to relieve the symptoms, but what can I do in the long term? And the long term is, you know, I'm a huge proponent of using this, what I call a three-legged stool, where your hormonal health is like you're sitting on a stool, and that stool's got these three legs, right? And for you to sit comfortably and confidently on that stool, that all the three legs have to be, you know, strong and stable, right? So imagine every one of these legs, the first leg is your gut, it's your digestion, right? Second leg is your sugar levels, and the third one is the function of your liver. When you have all these three working in a fairly good shape, they're in a fairly good shape, you're going to be feeling really nice and balanced. 
one of them is out of out of sync, you know, it's not functioning properly, no matter what supplements you're going to be taking and whatever herbs you're going to be taking, it's going to work short term, but after that, things are going to manifest in some other way and you're never going to improve your health. So that's just, you know, that's my take on, on just the general overall health and hormones. You know, you know what, Magdalena, we would love to have you come back just to talk about the liver. I love your articles oh. on the liver. And a matter of fact, I plan to post some today, but I just, that is a huge leg of the stool. <laughs> it's the liver. Yeah. And you have yeah. fabulous articles on it. You do. Yeah. And, and you know, I was just going to say, uh, I think a few minutes ago when I lost my train of thought, brain fog, whatever, uh, that on the show, just so that you know, and I appreciate and love all of everything that you're saying and totally agree, and um, that that everybody is different, you know, and you mm-hmm. really just have to listen to your body, you know, yeah. because I do know that, that um, some people do have problems uh, with cruciferous, uh, vegetables and some people don't and there are different you know everybody's genetic makeup and their uh where they live and their environmental toxins and and all that kind of stuff we say it every time on on every show everybody's different so you really do number one look for your balance and and listen to your body yeah and that's i think that's really really important what you said there um is it's just one one thing um you know about just listening to your body i think that's one of the biggest things that um, most people struggle with, um, I think especially as women, and and we focus a lot on the things that aren't working. So like for, just to give you an example, when I run the Cooking for Balance program, we have questions during the show, right, and during the workshop. And and so we get like tons of questions every day. And, you know, and, and so a lot of the questions are like I have tingling in my, you know, in my feet. I have, I have this bump on my head. I have this um, you know, sharp pain shooting up here and there, and what do I do for that? And, you know, I mean, there's, there's, there's absolutely no way I can answer these kind of questions without having a full health history of the person. But also these symptoms, or, you know, I have horrendous fatigue. I can't get out, right? I mean, fatigue can be attributed to so many different things, right? Um, but what I have found, and you know, and I, and this is what, just how we address these kind of questions, is that when you address the health of your gut, when you, instead of focusing on the specific, like, what's the herb that I can do for the tingling? What's the one supplement that I can take to address my fatigue? Instead, stepping back and saying, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bite the bullet and I'm going to clean up my health and I'm going to start up with my gut, listen to this whole thing about, you know, cut out gluten and bring in all the good stuff, right, all the crucifers and the fermented foods and, you know, bone broth, all like good stuff, right? I'm going right. to learn to right. incorporate that into my life. And then when my gut is good, then I'm going to move on to, you know, I'm going to get off my sugar addiction, and then I'm going to rebalance my liver. Um, and, you know, and, and then that's, that's what's incredible is that all of these symptoms just start going away, you know? And that's what's so wonderful about, I think about rebalancing our bodies, then you don't need to worry about, oh, this symptom, that symptom. You know, just to share with you, one of my one of my problems till today is, is getting better now, but for the past year and a half, I have severe pelvic pain, severe. I mean, it's so bad I had to stop all sports. And mind you, I used to be a competitive athlete. Oh, so wow. for me to stop yeah. everything, it's like, it's like semi-death, right? 
And I live in Marin, where we are, like, surrounded by mountain bike trails. I mean, mountain bikes were invented here. You know, people go cross-country running here. I mean, it's like heaven, heaven for that stuff, right? And I can't move. I can't even do yoga, Pilates, because I, I just couldn't handle the pain. And what I, you know, and of course I went to a lot of different practitioners. I mean, this is a mecca for, you know, for healers here in Marin, where I live. Nobody could help me. And I realized, you know what, hell, hold on a second. It is something else. And, and my intuition was telling me something to do with Candida. So I thought instead of spending hundreds of dollars every month on all these different acupuncture and, you know, all these um, practitioners, I thought, you know, I'm just going to really address the heavy metals and the Candida, like 100%. And guess what? <clears throat> a week ago was the first time I went for a run in a year and a half. And it's, wow. and it's feeling really good. Who would have thought, right, that severe pelvic pain was caused by candida? But it is. Oh. You know, in my case, it is. It's not for everybody, of course, right? It's my, my right. story. So candida can wreak absolute havoc. Havoc, yeah. havoc, havoc. <laughs> and you, can do a, you can my... do a three-hour show just on candida. Uh, totally. Oh, and I'm working, <laughs> and I'm working on Maybe mine Maybe we should right have her come. Tiffany knows. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. right? And, Acne, I mean, there we could go down the line of all uh, kinds of things that comes from candida. But like you said, uh, that's a, that's a that's a several that's a, like a four part series show. <laughs> that's, uh. Well, and well, so we have learned a lot from you today, and I absolutely am such a fan and so thrilled to have you join us today. I can't believe we were able to get this done. Yes, thank uh, so you, thank you, so thank much. you, thank you, Magdalena. Yeah, it was my pleasure to be here with you guys today. And let's and um, one, let's just kind of remind everybody, um, you've got this Cooking for Balance um, program coming on. You have some free workshops that you can sign up for. Um, I, I have a link to it listed on Thyroid Nation. There's an ad on the right plus the article we just did for you. But also, can yeah. you tell us, is, is it going on? When does it start? Yeah, so just uh, head over to Thyroid Nation um, and click on the website. There. Yeah, if you look at the feed rotation article, um, you find the link to the Cooking for Balance program. Uh, it's basically, you know, it starts over the, with a free workshop, which is an hour and a half. It's super packed with information, and it's really about the, the liver, the sugar stuff, and, you know, sugar levels in your gut, how to take care of those some basic stuff in order to really set a good foundation. That, you know, the stool that we talked about, the three legs of the stool, for hormonal balance. It's not just for thyroid, but it's for it, it really applies to any hormonal imbalances. Right. Right. Um, Good life, right. And that's what the workshop is, is about. It's an hour and a half. You everybody's gonna learn a ton. Towards the end of the workshop I talk about a full full four week program. There's only so much I can teach in an hour and a half, right? And this is sure, right, right, right. that is my practice. So um it, you know, then the four week program comes in into play and um, and then people from the workshop can sign into the four-week program. And it's a, it's a running program um, that is, uh, and, you know, and it's only 197 I mean, it's like everybody's telling me, like, I cannot believe this is only 197 So the four-week program's got four classes. The first class teaches about fermentation. We go into sprouting and soaking and sprouting. I teach about making bone broth. Um, and every class addresses different hormonal imbalances. So you'll learn about thyroid, about estrogen dominance, about menopause, and then eating for PCOS and about rebalancing you, your sugar levels. 
Fabulous. And as you said, you're only you're only one person, so you can only do so much, right? So in one, yeah. in one hour and a half session. So that's what the that's what the program is about. Well, thank you, absolutely, thank you, yeah. Magdalena. We thank so much you, Magdalena. It. And we will definitely have you back. So thank you, Please. thank you. Have a great, great day. Awesome. Thank great you guys. for joining us. Okay. Bye-bye. Have a she is amazing. Everybody. Oh, my gosh. Yes, thank you. Is. All right. Bye, you guys. Bye. Bye-bye. All right. All that Twitter amazing Magdalena you can find yes, at thyrodietcoach.com and hormonebalance.com. She's got some wonderful free things. Follow her with Twitter. She's also on Facebook. Amazing recipes and okay. things like that. What do we have going on next week, Dennis? Okay. Next week we have Gina Lee Nolan. It's going to be amazing. The, the you know, Baywatch Beauty, author of Beautiful Inside and Out and founder of Thyroid Sexy. And it's going to be wonderful. So as always, thank you so much to our listeners. Uh, we really appreciate you. And uh, thanks so much, of course, for the radio team, Raina, Laura, Melissa, Penny, Blythe, Shannon. And check out their information on Thyroid Nation Radio. And um, we all want to remind you that wellness is a journey and takes continual maintenance and evaluation, so make sure to always listen to it. This is Dana, your Thyroid Nation gringatica from Costa Rica. And Tiffany Milanich of GratefulGarden.biz. Thanks, guys. Thank you. United We Heal.